Good morning from me, and I have the privilege of talking about Man City, the treble, and Jesus. And you're thinking, what's going on? So my aim this morning is to give quite a quick, because it's nuclear heat, um, evangelistic appeal to anyone listening here or at home who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm breaking from the John series to take a topic. So I'll be hopping around a few texts in the Bible. Nothing too deep. Um, if you want deep, come tonight at 6 p.m. We're looking at the whole book of Esther. And I've chosen this because something big happened on planet Earth, well, in the West, or maybe even just in Britain or Europe, last week. And church should sometimes engage with quite big things in the world because we're meant to be helpful. So it was a big week last week, if you care, and what happened was Manchester City football team won the treble. <laughs> it's not as interesting as Cardiff City winning the FA Cup in 1927, obviously, not as big as that, but here are some stats about this historic event. They therefore became only the second ever English team to win the FA Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League. They've now won the Premier League three years in a row, so you may be impressed and in awe, wonder, lost in praise, but not everyone has been impressed. Um, on Twitter, I read someone said this, what a fairy tale story Amazing what can be achieved with over two billion pounds spent on buying players, um, a manager with an offshore bank account, a suspended two-year ban from European competitions, and 115 charges of financial irregularity. So not everyone's that happy about what happened. Now, I quite like sporting achievements. I think there's something quite spiritual about them uh, when they're in the right place. But... I do think what we've been seeing on the news in the West is that this stuff is a cheap version of something better, okay? And church exists to go out after this and tell people that, like, oh, that's good. But did you know there's something even better than winning the treble? Because, I don't know if you saw this, maybe it's just me because I'm a bit cynical by nature, after the cup, you have those like the, the win, those awkwardly contrived interviews with the play. I always slightly cringe at that. It's just something missing and cringy about it. And they'll say, oh, this is the moment I've lived for my whole life. I've dreamt for nothing more than this. And you're, you start feeling a bit like depressed. Do you ever think that? Oh, that's a bit sad actually, is it? And, and then they often get sad, and then they release biographies, and they talk about depression that can follow winning cups. Um, but winning is great, competition's great, can be good, but for some people in the news, and in the crowds particularly, I thought, oh, there's something flat about this, because some people are living for this, and now they've peaked and some of them are early 20s, and they've peaked. What do you do now? Um, someone once said in life, the best things in life aren't things. And if that's true, no matter how much the media and culture at the moment, like, 
balloon and escalate the significance of Man City winning the treble. I wonder if some people here this morning, if we're being honest, are maybe thinking inside, is there something more? Is this just a replica of something even greater that we could be experiencing as human beings? Now, let me tell you where I watched it. I was doing a conference in North Wales, and we, loads of us were in someone's front room, and um, some of them I knew, some of them I didn't, and then it got to this bit, where he, Ike uh, Gundogan, I think his name is, Ilki Gundogan, something like that, he got a trophy, I got a little trophy from the kitchen, don't tell Alwyn, and uh, he went like this, like that, do you remember that bit, did you watch? And uh, at that point, I shouted, that's the Lord Jesus Christ ascending. This guy is preaching the ascension to the whole world. Do not stop at that. Think about who's being displayed to the whole world watching now. And everybody in the room said, what? And then we had a long conversation about it, which gave me a burden to want to say it again on this historic event. Interestingly, for some reason, the editor of the Treasury magazine was also in the room and now wants me to write an article, so you're going to be sick of this by the end of this month. I'm going to be popping up everywhere. And we've done this on Thursdays as well, and the big question is this. We go in more detail on Thursdays, but the big one's this. Why did Gundogan lift the Champions League trophy? Why did he do that? You ever thought about that? As Christians, maybe not as non-Christians. Why does it matter even if you don't like football? And you're wondering, why is Owen talking about this this morning? Because it does matter. Why did the cup need to go higher than his head? Because if you went like this, ooh, everyone would go, well, that's rubbish, wouldn't you? What an anti-climax. But he went, he ascended the cup in the moment of glory. Why did he do that? Um, why did he push the cup through the heavens? Why is that everywhere at the moment? And people are really excited and warmed if you're a Man City supporter. Why do we go down first and then make a big deal of going up? Why do we push it down to the lowest pits of the earth and, th- and only then after we've done that is it glorious? Why is it written in us to do that? Why? Well, the Lord God answers that. And in the Word of God, maybe you've never read it before and you're tuning in at home or you've just walked in this morning, the Bible says every single person in Park End Church this morning, it it doesn't say Park End, it says on earth, is made in the image of God. And so instinctively, We like to think of things up there. Oh, please tell me there's something better than this world. It's in us, and we can't escape it. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, heaven is actually a real place. It's not a figment of our imaginations. So it's legitimate when we start going and pointing things upwards for hope. That's why churches go up, pointing up, pointing everyone up. But... The Bible also says that humans are in this strange state of limbo where we know the world is messed up and it's not quite right, but 
we keep looking for heavenly experiences elsewhere. The Bible says we do that because we have fallen from somewhere that we should be. In Romans chapter 3.23, it says the human race has fallen short. We've fallen from an ascended place because of something called sin. Genesis chapter 3, where humans reject God, it's called the fall. All right? And here he is trying to reconnect with whatever we've fallen from and showing us that something's there. And so now, everybody listening, we can't escape a sense of glory, wonder, and hope. It's in us, like a heavenly longing. But we keep misfiring and like connecting with the lesser stuff than we should. So our hopes and dreams and aspirations as humans, according to the Word of God, right, falls on football, money, sex, looks, health, marriage, children, and education. It's like the best we can do. That's like our version of the heavenly life without God. Instead of asking Him what the real heaven is like that we should be tapping into. And what we find is, marriages crumble under the weight. Because all of our expectation of the eternal hope and joy that we long for is now on our wife or our husband, and that can break, or our child's GCSE results. It's like, this is all we've got. You better reach the ascended life and get a C in GCSE maths. And some don't, and become depressed. Romans 1, verse 21 says, we long for heaven, but we will not give thanks to God. We do not want him ruling over us, so we've fallen away. And it says, the Apostle Paul, we worship created things instead of the Creator. So we long for an ascension experience to go up, but we reject the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, and we love to say, I do it my way, and then this is the best we've got. In the real heaven, though, the real ascension, no one has worked their way up, earned the right, done it their way. No one. The song that everybody in heaven is singing right now, and it seems to be on repeat, is this one. Worthy is Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for me. He died and went into the pit and rose for me because I can't do it myself. I can't do life my way. I need His help. And they're just all lavishing praise on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing now. But we like to reject his rule and earn our way through life. So we are in this funny state of longing for heavenly experiences, yet rejecting the heavenly experience. So when the interviewers interview Gundogan and um, uh, Pep Guardiola, they, they, they'll say, are you experiencing glory? Uh, isn't this bliss? And are you in ecstasy? And some of us are watching on going, it's not as good as church. It's not as good as church and what we do there. And I'll come back to that in a minute. On Thursday, we discussed something one of my friends said recently, which we liked. Here's a question. Who do parents say, rise and shine to in the mornings? Who do they say that to? I'll have a sip of water before I faint. They say, rise and shine to children in the mornings. And the Rice Krispies or Kellogg's Cornflakes, they've got it on the box, haven't they? 
rise and shine. Everybody likes the idea that today you're going to have a good life and live to the max if you rise and shine like that big icon in the, in the heavens there, the sun up, it goes, you do the same. You rise and shine. You will be a blessed person. The problem is we're so often not very shiny to other people. And children come home from school and they've had a fight in the playground and they've snatched and they've been selfish and we're exactly the same. So there we are again. We're in this strange place of liking the idea of rising and shining, but we can't do it very well. If I've offended you, come and talk to me after I'll be on the door. And so we have this funny passage on this monumental occasion from Acts chapter 1, which is about the Lord Jesus Christ who has just come back from going very low, low on Calvary, low taking all of hell upon himself, defeating death and judgment, taking the sting away from it. So our two biggest problems, by the way, are utterly solved with Jesus, sin and death. So come to him today. He's the best friend you'll ever have. Then he comes back from that, and a bit like a scene from The Lion King, like the Father and the Spirit do this with him, he rises, and then not long after, he goes from the depths up above our heads. Isn't that interesting? Up he goes. Why do we go low before we go up with the cups? Because the whole planet oscillates around the event of the Lord Jesus Christ who went low and then went up. And basically, every film that's ever been written, it has a person who goes low and then up. And we love it. We love that type of story. Do you remember when Leicester won the Premier League from the very lowest of the low and the whole world covered it because they won it? And here, Jesus does the same thing. The whole world reads about it in the Bible, Acts 1.9. After he said this, he ascended up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight, hid him from their sight. Here's the question again. Why did Jesus and Ike Gundawan go up? He did it with the cup. Jesus went up with his body. Because here's another question. If we built a rocket, and I've asked you this before, and we just went up and up and up, would we get to the heaven where Jesus is? No. We'd just go up past the stars and various other things. Similarly, if we drilled down, would we get to hell? Because hell in the Bible is called the under-earth. I don't think we would. I think if you went down, you'd come out in Australia or something eventually, wouldn't you, if you made it through? Or New Zealand or something like that. So why up? Why does this matter? Why are all of our friends longing that we get this subject right, whether they know it or not? Well, in the Bible, there's three heavens. The first heaven, according to the Word of God and the Psalms, are the ones with the birds in that you're going to look at this afternoon in your gardens. If you've got a garden, there you go, there's a bird. That's the first heaven. The second heavens are the place with the stars. Uh, we call it space. That's a rubbish name. The Bible just calls it the second heavens of glory. We like space. Rubbish. Then... There's this third heavens. This is the one that Jesus is showing is up. This one is the third heavens where God the Father sits. This one is beyond the world of sin, sickness, 
and death. And Jesus is reminding us that it's up. This is where people are truly happy and nothing makes them sad anymore. This is where our loved ones who have gone before us trusting in Christ are now experiencing a joy that nothing on this earth could ever match. This is what every human being is made for, longing for, because this is where God is, and that's what makes it wonderful. And this is a cheap version of showing people that it's up. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen looks up and sees a glimpse of this one as rocks are being thrown on his head for being a Christian, and he's about to die. And the Lord Jesus is in the third heavens watching his beloved Stephen. He's even standing. Because when Christians are about to die, it seems that Jesus just can't sit anymore and he stands up ready to greet them. That's what happens in Acts chapter 7. The apostle Paul sees it and he says, this thing's so good, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not allowed. Psalm 24 is all about Jesus going back up to it. And all of the gates of heaven are saying, the Lord of glory is coming, open the gates, he's coming back. Glory, glory. And in Leviticus 16, the priest used to act it out and he would walk upwards behind a curtain because this is next level joy. But it's not geographically up. It's sort of invisible and very close. And soon, the invisible is going to be made visible at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus go up? Why did the cup go up and not sideways? Why didn't Jesus step through a portal and go sideways? Because he is teaching everybody listening this morning a very important lesson for our bodies, our minds, and our souls. There is a realm, there is a place, it is called the third heavens, and it is of the very highest quality. Because God is there. When a Christian passes into the third heavens, they're not sitting on a cloud eating cheese. They have entered a world of highest joy. That's why when God visits us from there sometimes, he usually is on the top of a mountain. Just to show us, I'm from the high place and we have to go there. So I call everyone this morning to unriddle the world's confusion, trust in Jesus... Because the culture is obsessed with ascension, but we are the people of the ascended king. In the 1980s, there were pinups, weren't there? Remember those posters in the 70s and 80s? Where'd you put them? High up on your bedroom wall. Such glory of these people on my walls. People love ascension. What's church going to do? Show them they're falling short. In the Truman Show, how does it end? Hollywood loves the ascension. He walks up what? Some stairs to go through the door. Where, how does Mary Poppins finish off the, sh the... Where does she go? Up she goes. We love it. Where does E.T. go? He's on his bike. Isn't he up there? He's gone. Harry Potter, he's usually on his broom going up. Star Trek, up they go. Beam me up. I've had enough of this. I'm off. You know, these things, I'm going back. Um, Superman, he's always smiling in the ascended realm, isn't he? At the end like this. He's gone up. He's looking down on that world that he's left. In, sport, in the Olympics, where do you stand if you've won the gold? Hey, high, higher than everybody else. Um, when King Charles is going to knight 
uh, people, he's going to go, de, de, arise, ascended person. You are now connecting with something deep. And church is here to say, as we wrap all this up, do not stop short. Come to Christ, the ascended king. Christ is our very best friend. Christ died for sinners. He's risen for sinners. He's ascended for sinners. And he is there. He is our sin-defeating, death-destroying, ascended king. And Man City reminded everyone on the planet of that last week. So I close with an appeal. For those for whom life is just horizontal, yet you long for the vertical, come to Christ. He'll start giving you the heavenly experiences in your life. He'll give you perspective about sport, education, jobs, promotion, health. And even if all those things are taken away, you'll still have this ascended sense of hope that all will be well because I'm going to where my king is one day. Jesus is the answer to the fall. And what a tragedy that we so often stop at grades, sport, food, sex, and then death. Trust in Christ, the ascended hero who pulls people up because we cannot do it ourselves. And enjoy these two verses over your lunch and tell lots of people about them. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's the Christian. I'm sort of already there. He sorted all my problems out. And Hebrews 12, Therefore, let us fix our eyes on Jesus this day, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now is sat down at the right, throw, at the right hand of God the Father. Follow Jesus, the ascended King, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.